Good morning. Hi, Toby. How are you doing? Uh, good morning. Uh, yeah, we're okay. Uh, yeah, the weather's good. Sun's shining. All's well. Good, good. And you are in your shed? I am in my shed. You wouldn't tell with this uh, seamless backdrop that I've put up. But uh, yeah, the sheds, that's where the office is. Uh, excellent. Well, thank you so much for being willing to preach this morning because we're going to be looking at Compassion, Compassion Sunday uh, for us. Do you want to say a little bit about, because I presume you're going to talk about compassion in your sermon. So do you want to say a little bit about you so we know a little bit about who you are? Yeah, so uh, my name's uh, Toby. I've been working for Compassion for uh, just getting on for three years this summer. I used to be a secondary school teacher teaching music. Uh, for, I did that for sort of eight years and then um, went for, for various reasons, got to visit my sponsor child and then came back and, uh, and fancied a job. So uh, there we are. Oh, wow. So how long did you say you would, you've been doing this for? Uh, so this summer it'll be three years. Three years. Okay. And have you actually gone out to, to the different countries that Compassion is involved in? Yeah, so I went to the Philippines. That was the first trip to visit my sponsored child, um, and that's where she's based. And I've also been to Uganda as well. Um, I did have a Ghana trip planned, but you know the rest of the story. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> it was, so uh, I'll let you fill in the gaps. Yeah, and I understand that January last year, you had quite mm. a significant change to yes. your life circumstances. Do you want to tell us what that is? Well, um, so it was just after January, actually. So um, we, um, so sort of February 2020, um, just coming into March, we finished the adoption process and uh, two wonderful little children moved into our home. And then two days later or a week later, the lockdown happened. So um, <laughs> perfect timing, you could say. So you haven't had a boring lockdown? Oh, no, definitely not boring. Uh, not. <laughs> I wish I'd had a boring lockdown at times, but um, <laughs> it's been really good, but it's definitely been challenging. But hence why you're in the shed. Yes, I'm in the shed, yeah, to just have a little bit of separation. Uh, well, thank you so much for sharing with us uh, this morning. Uh, we really look forward to hearing what you've got to say. And, uh, yeah, hope you enjoy the rest of your day. <laughs> you too. I, I hope it blesses you this morning. Cool. Thanks, Toby. No problem. Cheers. Good morning. My name is Toby and I work for the charity Compassion here in the UK. For those that don't know, Compassion are a child sponsorship charity who works supporting children across the world uh, through a sponsorship model as well as other things. Now, if you already sponsor a child, I want to say thank you so much for continuing to do that through a time of incredible uncertainty. I know many of you will have had to review your giving as we've uh, gone through this pandemic and maybe have been really uncertain whether you're able to continue. And for those who have been able to, I want to say thank you so much. And for those that can't, I completely, completely understand. It's been a really bizarre time for everybody. Now, I want to start by asking you a question. I wonder if you're familiar with the scenario. Imagine you're sat at home, maybe you're just in the lounge or um, one of your kids walks in or maybe uh, a friend of you, maybe your roommate or your spouse walks into the room or maybe you get a phone call and they say to you, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. They might finish that off with, which one do you want first? <laughs> now, if you're like me, you're a bad news first kind of guy, because hopefully the, the good news will like pick you up afterwards. Um, I wonder which person you are. Um, you know, are you good news first? And you kind of want to lift up and then 
then you're more prepared for the bad news. I don't know. Um, maybe you're completely unflappable. Uh, the great turtle master Uguay um, in the film Kung Fu Panda says, there is just news. There's no good or bad. Maybe you're that person. Um, maybe if you're unsure how you respond to good or bad news, have a think about how you responded when you saw the news updates for the coronavirus. Maybe you heard them and you were a, well, maybe you got the impression Boris was sort of like, well, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. Bad news, lockdown. Good news, we're going to save lives. Bad news, stuck in the house. You might be thinking, good news. I get to stay at home and save some money. I love being inside. Think how many films I could watch. Think how many series I could watch. Think how many uh, those jobs that I never quite get around to doing can finally get done because I literally am not allowed to leave my home. Now, whatever your experience of lockdown is, the story of the pandemic, I think, is one of constant bad news uh, with a little sprinkling of good news, or at least uh, for every three bits of bad news, you might get one bit of good news. Um, maybe you're a bit of a negative person uh, and generally everything's just rubbish or, or completely positive and everything's great all of the time regardless. Well, whatever your view on news and how you take it, um, we're going to be looking at a bit of a good news, bad news story this morning. We're going to be looking at Luke 18, chapter 18 to 30, which is the rich ruler or the rich young ruler or, or something like that. Depending on the version you read, you'll have a slightly different title. Um, now, if you want to get your Bibles open to Luke 18, 18, uh, feel free. But you can also find it in Mark 10, 17 and Matthew 19, 16 to 30 as well. So if you're feeling particularly scholarly this morning, you can have all three open if you're feeling crazy. Uh, you can go three tabs on your computer and have all three open at the same time. And you can do a little comparison if you want to. Um, now, before I go anywhere, some of you will know this story very well and alarm bells might be going. You might be thinking, ah, you work for a charity and the man in the story gives up all his money, or is supposed to, but he doesn't, um, uh, to follow Jesus. And you're going to tell me that I have to give up all my money, otherwise I can't go to heaven. And you're going to ask me to give up all that money to you. That is not what's happening. <laughs> Don't worry. You might think you've got me pegged. This is not actually the direction the story is going in. So don't panic. I'm not going to tell you if you don't give all your money to compassion, you're not going to heaven. So it's okay. Now, just before, just for context, this story, the story before it is all about children entering the kingdom of God. So the, the last line, so Luke 17, uh, Luke 18, 17, just before this says, Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. So that's the sentence just before this one. So have that in mind. Now, I'm inclined to think that this story of the rich young ruler happens immediately afterwards. Uh, I don't think that's the case necessarily, but I like to believe that in my own head. Um, but have just consider the context as we jump in. So that's just happened. Jesus has just said, um, you can only enter the kingdom of God like a child. Now, enter a certain ruler, which is the first few words of the chapter. Here we go. A certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honour your father and mother. All of these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. 
Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Jesus looked at him and said, how hard is it for a rich to enter the kingdom of God? Let's just have a look at this real quick. Let's break down this story. As I said before, I am inclined to think that this happens very shortly after the previous bit of teaching about children. Now, even if it's not, even if these things happen months apart, the author Luke has still chosen to put these two together. So what does that tell us? Well, contextually, that tells us that these two things are important and they're linked. And together, they are to make a point about how we can enter the kingdom of God. Now, I want you to just kind of hold that contextually. I'm not going to jump into that in too much depth. That's not really the focus of what I'm going to share. But I think it's helpful to know the context. Now, the rich man, I like to read him. He's actually quite sincere. And I'll tell you why in a minute. Some people read him as a bit of an arrogant guy who's coming in. He's swanning in. He's saying, you know, I've done all these things since my youth. But I don't know if that's the case. I certainly don't read it like that. Um, And when he says, good teacher, what must I do? Jesus' reply is to list the second six commandments, well, second five in Luke, but if you look at Mark, he actually includes another one as well. Uh, The second six commandments um, from the Ten Commandments that Moses brought down on the tablets. Uh, Some people would call it the second tablet. Now, these are all to do with your relationship with each other rather than your relationship with God. So you will have noticed they're all to do with honour your father and mother and things like that. Now, he then asks... Well, he then kind of lists the things and and the guy seems to think he's doing all right. And actually, I would be inclined to agree with him if that was your measure of what good was. So that's his first bit of good news, really, because he believes he's achieved these things and he believes he's basically a good person. And if I said to you, if I listed these things and said, have you done all of them? And you said yes. And if that was my measure, then you'd be a good person, too. For example, have you cheated on your wife or your husband? No. Great. Well, that's that one tick then. You shall not murder. Well, I've definitely not killed anyone. Great. You shall not steal. Yeah, I haven't stolen anything. And he goes through the list. And Mark, it says, do not defraud as well. So he, uh, that's kind of to do with the 10th commandment of do not covet. But, but if I said that that was your measure on being a good person, then any of you here, certainly a significant proportion of you would say, well, if that's it, then I'm good. So I don't think he did approach from an arrogant perspective. I simply think he approached with the wrong perspective. His view of what bar he had to meet was completely wrong. Now, I actually went around and asked people, uh, a few friends of mine and uh, a couple of my family members and a few random people, what what they thought the level was for good. Well, I want to hit you with some of the answers. They would say things like, Um, they put others above themselves, are generous and selfless to those around them, no matter whether they deserve it or not. They're not selfish. They look out for others and have integrity. Now, someone said to me, good means nothing. (laughs) It's a complex ethical issue. The word good doesn't have meaning except what people attribute to it. So anyone can be good if they meet their own standard and if they meet their own definition of the word. And I think there's truth in that. There's a lot of truth in that. This man thought he was good based on his own definition. Now, I want you to consider that when it comes to good news. What is good news? What do you attribute to be good news? For some people, being put into lockdown was terrible news. But for some, 
good news because it means saving lives. It depends on your definition of the word and what you apply to that word. Now, I'm not going to get into a huge philosophical debate, but I want to give you the context that this rich man approached Jesus. He approached Jesus believing he was a good person because he had met his own standards. Now, from this point, the rich man is told he lacks one thing. What does he lack? Well, uh, Jesus says that he basically has an idol. He points him out. He points that one little thing. Well, I'm sure there's more than that. But Jesus picks on the thing that he knows the rich man is not going to be able to deal with. The issue was not that the man was wealthy. The issue was that her money had become more important than God, which is all about the first, uh, first set of commandments. Now, I don't think the man was under any illusions as to who Jesus actually was. For a start, when he addresses him, he calls him good teacher. Now, that was a common name for Jesus or teacher or rabbi or something similar. So that itself wasn't the problem. Um, it was when Jesus replied, he did not object. Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Now, what Jesus is basically saying is you have called me God. And the man does not object. So when Jesus then says, give up all your money and then follow me, I don't think the man is misunderstood. I think he is completely aware of who Jesus is saying that he is. And the man, well, he doesn't hear good news at this point. He doesn't hear the good news, the gospel, which by definition is good news. Literally. He hears bad news. He hears Look at all this stuff I've got to give away. Look at all this wealth that I've worked so hard to gain and achieve. And when Jesus says, give that up so you can follow me, he can't do it. And it says he was saddened and he walked away. He says he leaves with great sadness. Now, that is in many ways the saddest part of this story. Because knowing full well that the answer to his question lay right in front of him. How do I gain eternal life? And Jesus said, put, put your idol aside and follow me. And he can't do it. Which is odd. The gospel, by definition, is good news. I said it earlier. That is the very meaning of the word gospel. But the gospel isn't good news unless it's good news. This man did not hear good news. He heard bad news. Now, I want to address what I said earlier about um, compassion and wealth and all those kinds of things. Here is not the point where I suddenly tell you that your wealth is bad. It's not. There are many wealthy Christians out there and God has called them to that position. But and, and there's bits of this kind of passage that can be misinterpreted and think that that's an all-purpose truth for everybody. So having wealth, bad. This man had wealth, therefore wealth is bad. Do not jump to those conclusions. That is not the case. However, let's not diminish the fact that Jesus still calls us to great sacrifice. Your sacrifice might not be financial, but he has still called you to great sacrifice. So when I say that you don't, I'm not asking you to give up your money, that's true. But Jesus is asking you to give up a great deal for the gospel. Because the gospel is costly. So God is asking and Jesus asks that we give to the gospel. And that may be very sacrificial. Maybe it's reputation. Maybe, it's, um, maybe it is money. 
But maybe there's another idol in your life that Jesus is pointing the finger at right now. And he says that you need to give that up. You need to put that up to one side because you are putting that above me. And I want to challenge you this morning because the gospel is the good news. But only if we receive it that way. Maybe there's someone that you want to share the gospel with even today. And they're not going to hear good news when you tell them about it. But the gospel is still good news. And it is the good news that we are called to share across the world and to the nations. This rich man didn't hear it because he had something in the way. I wonder, is there something in your way today? Now, good news. I wonder what your reaction is when you hear it. If I was to share the gospel with somebody, they may hear the good news of the gospel and just be overwhelmed with it. And that has happened, not to me personally, um, but it does happen. But I wonder how you feel when you receive a piece of good news. I can recall some of the happiest moments in my life are immediately preceded by a piece of good news. Either delivered to me from someone or it's uh, come through the post or it's a a phone call. Maybe it's a, a yes on an application form. Or maybe it's a a sort of positive or negative test result. Maybe, as I said, it's a phone call from a loved one. Maybe it's a yes from someone. Now, I want you to recall that piece of good news, that moment where you received that news and the joy, the joy, the happiness, the relief that filled your heart when you received it. Now, I'm going to take this moment now, just as we move into the next part of this talk, to talk a little bit about compassion and the work that we do, because we are in the business of delivering good news, because compassion is a gospel organisation. Yes, we sponsor children across the world. Yes, we look to support them, but actually we do it through a Christ-centred point of view. When you sponsor a child, you are sharing the gospel to a child across the world. Just because the child is sponsored does not make them a Christian. As you or I both well know, that a, a real Christian makes that decision for themselves. Now, I'm going to kind of lay on some bad news for you, I'm afraid. And, that, and this really struck me as something I think many people don't know and probably haven't heard. And through this pandemic, there's been some awful news all over the place. And and I don't mean to add to that, but pre-COVID-19, 356 million children were in poverty, one in six. But since the year 1999, that had actually been slowly declining. It had been going down and down very gradually because of the work that many wonderful organisations are doing. However, in the year 2020, because of the COVID crisis, an extra 60 million children were added to that child poverty line. Now, not only is that tragic, but it's the first time that number has gone up since 1999. That is an awful piece of news. All the work that people have been doing to try and relieve child poverty, in the course of a year, that has changed. It's awful news. So in the awful news, can we share some good news? In the Philippines, it's so smelly, very dark water. You can see trash, rats, all of the crimes. The friends that I played with in the neighborhood got captured and was being trained to become child soldiers. In a given week, we'll go at least for three days without food. We would beg our parents 
just to buy one apple, but even the rotten ones we could not afford to buy. I just want to taste it. I just, just want to eat that fruit. In a period of 18 months, I lost my small brother Patrick, my mom, and I lost my stepdad because of the terrifying disease of HIV AIDS. When my mother died, I was lost. I was looking for hope, for God to just show me that everything was going to be okay. Not knowing what tomorrow will look like, not knowing whether I would have a home, whether we would live to see the next day. I don't know why Aaron Mitchell decided to sponsor me, but when he did, my whole life changed. A group of people from Compassion showed up at my church. They said, you're gonna go to school, and then somebody's going to write to you. I don't have to worry about whether my parents would have enough money to keep me going to school. Even if I get sick, someone was there to take care of me. I felt safe. I felt wanted. My sponsor is Edwin Bunny. Maria and Hanshru. Aaron Mitu. Five women from a Lutheran church that were sponsoring me. I am now a physical therapist and I'm working in a hospital. Clinical social worker. I was the first child in my family to go to high school, to go to college. I have a bachelor and a master in, in, in biomedical engineering, a second master in engineering management, and uh, I called me into ministry, so I had to go and get a third master. I have a ministry called Youth Arise Africa that works with boys who don't have father figures. We opened a small school. It's now providing the same opportunity that Compassion provided to me so that they too can break out of the cycle of poverty. Whatever you do for the least of these, you do for me. You do for me. You did for me. You did it for me. Sponsor a child today to break the cycle of poverty in a child's life like my sponsor did for me. So I'm just going to take a few minutes to talk about you know, how this passage really links to uh, what we've seen in this video and what the work of compassion is. Now, as I said to you earlier, that um, compassion are a gospel organization Yes, we do, you know, actual stuff. We uh, help support children across the world in 25 different countries to try and relieve and break the cycle of poverty. But that one way that we do that is through a child sponsorship model, which is £28 per month. Now, £28 a month might seem like a lot. In fact, you might be looking at me right now and go, Toby, that is very tone deaf. Do you not know what I've had to give up this year? Do you not know that I have had to change jobs? I'm, I'm now a delivery driver, no discredit to delivery drivers. And I was this, or I, you know, I've had to suddenly find work elsewhere that had nothing to do with my dreams. And I'm not ready to give up anymore. And you might be right. So the idea of me asking you might seem like bad news to you. And I understand. And for those of you that can't, I get it. And there is grace. But I want to encourage you, what can you do? If not that, what can you do to support your local community? What can you do to support a child? Rest assured, this world is in a storm right now. We are all in a storm, but we are not in the same boat. Many of you are, many of us, we're comparatively, we're in cruise liners. 
We're in luxurious conditions compared to many. Some are in a raft. Some are, don't have a, you know, some don't have a boat at all. And I want to encourage you today, how can you make a difference to these people? Maybe things have been hard for you, and I'm not trying to take that away from you. It's been a hard year, and I'm, I'm not trying to be tone deaf, and I'm not trying to take away any of the difficulties you've had. But maybe there is something in the way, and I want to challenge you. Can we put that to one side for the sake of the gospel? If not a sponsored child, then how can you share the gospel this morning? Because that is the good news, and sometimes that's all we've got. The good news of Jesus Christ. You know, regardless of what's happened this year, you can stand here and you can sit here in your living room and know that Jesus died for you, for your sins, that you may live. That is the good news. And that has not changed. That is no less true this year than any other year. Can you be someone that provides some good news today? Be it the gospel or be it someone walking up to a child in a compassion project and saying, you've got a sponsor. Imagine the good news. You don't need to be in poverty anymore. We're going to help you with your dinners. We're going to help give you meals. You don't have to be hungry again. What good news. I want to encourage you to share some good news with someone today. Is it the good news of the gospel? Do you need to just lift somebody up? Can you sponsor a child today? Maybe that's something that you've been thinking about or you've seen one of these before. Or maybe you were less financially hit than you thought you would be. I encourage you, can you do that today? And if you can't, what can you do? You know what, sharing the gospel with a friend will cost you nothing, financially. But remember, God has called us to great sacrifice. Maybe not financially, but God has still called us to be disciples. God still said that discipleship comes at great cost. So thank you so much for having me this morning. I wanted to challenge you, uh, but be encouraged that the good news of the gospel is no less true today than it ever has been. You know what? No matter how sad and downtrodden you are feeling, however bad news, bad news, bad news fatigued you are, let me give you some good news. That Jesus died for your sins so that you could live. Thank you very much. <laughs>